When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the Tom Bernard Show.com brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Who, me? <laughs> I'd like to know if I was married to a whore piece of shit. (laughs) You could just look at her license. My special stripe. That was amazing. Oh my gosh. Coming by sweet corn, potatoes, onions, pickles. It's not how you use them, sir. (laughs) It's really sickening that anybody would be into radio this much. It is ungoddamn believable. I think I'm going to hell. I just realized it. Thank you, Tom. You're just delicious. This is why I drink. We're here today with Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. Michael, what's going on? You know, we keep getting phone calls, and it's interesting because people try to handle a lot of stuff on their own, or they try to talk to the adjusters, or they wait, um, and they think maybe it'll cost them money if they talk to me. And, you know, we tell them it's free to talk to us. Um, I go through what their rights are and, you know, we try to help them as best we can. We don't sign everyone up. Sometimes I just give them advice and they go from there and then call us back later. But the key is, is that they don't know all their rights or they're not told all their rights by the adjuster. And that's one of the things we try to make sure that they get, you know, they get that understanding, uh, so they can help themselves and their families the best they can. And the number is? Is 800-770-7008. Or at the website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Brad, Sean, Bryant, Michael Bryant, thank you. Seeking justice for the injured. Brad, Sean, Bryant. Welcome back, everybody, to yet another episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. Brought to you by Brad Sean Bryant. Kicking off the show this week, we had Bill Bellamy in studio. Talking about one of his favorite shows and one of my personal favorite shows, The Chappelle Show. Next on The Best Of... Flashlight. This guy, have you ever met George Clinton? Yes, sir. George came out one time because he was another one. headdress on? I love George Clinton. (laughs) He said, Tom, Tom, George Clinton wants to to say hello to you. I was back. So he's backstage. He's got, you know, Parliament, Funkadelic, Brian Funkenstein. He's got all of that stuff. (laughs) 
So he, I'm standing there, and he comes walking out, and he's got the full regalia on. He's got the spear with him and the whole oh deal, my right? God. And he comes up, and he said, uh, George, this is Tom Bernard. And he looks at me and goes, huh, and walks away. <laughs> Didn't he, isn't, isn't, isn't uh, George Clinton in the Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Oh, I bet yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tom Bernard's cousin. Today with Gary Busey. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, you Inside made it joke. Up. <laughs> Bill Bellamy. Co host Catherine Brandt. Chanel, a.k.a. the Royal CH. Yeah. I like I thought you were going to say Chanel number five. Number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. Andy Brant Bernard. Cassie's Trader. Yeah, you're going to have to be careful, CH, because, you know, uh, uh, Bad Baby, that, that uh, what's her name? Uh, Danielle uh, Bergoli. Oh, oh Cash Me Outside. Cash Me Outside. How about that? Remember that? Right. All right, yeah, 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 yeah. Cash Me Outside. She's like a singer now. She's kidding me. She's got to see her. I think she has three gold albums. Stop playing. She does. Not. Yep. You might want to Google that, bro. You throwing facts out there yesterday. in the air. <laughs> we yesterday. got people that can document. <laughs> yeah. Just can't be throwing She's random information in the air like we're supposed to true. buy it. Yeah. Five hundred thousand copies. She sold. Sorry She's to say, it's true. okay. She has artist. two gold albums. Okay, you was close. No wonder Aretha Franklin died. <laughs> yeah, the real yeah. Yeah. I got to get out of here. She can't right. live exactly. in a world like this. I've never seen anybody uh, at their funeral change their clothes. I've, I've never seen that. <laughs> no, that's I've never true. seen. That's the first that's, time ever, baby. Yeah. Cassie, you ever seen somebody be no. like, get out the cast and put on another dress? <laughs> okay, they change clothes on them. Three changes. Three. Yeah, three, three changes, wow. bro. I watched like 20 minutes. Rita was like, I'm not going to get to wear it no more. So, <laughs> how about let people girl. see what I bought that I was going to wear? Boom, go put me in the back. I'm going to put on this red dress. That's wow. amazing. Put me in the back and put on the gold dress. You know what I'm saying? She's did, the queen, baby. Did yep. you hear Al Sharpton when he did, he, did, he did a little homage to her on his show? No, what did he do? Andy, do you oh, have it? Oh, God. Oh, Al, Al has got to Al has got to <laughs> wake up and pay attention. Al. Is oh. hysterical. He has oh. got to stop. rather creative spelling of respect. Oh, <laughs> did you see that? Uh, you got it. Yeah. You know how long respect has been around. He still couldn't spell it. He still couldn't spell it. He can spell it. He said, "Spec." Andy's got it. Andy's got it. Yeah. Respect. Go ahead. Andy. I will have it. Oh, it looks like whatever side I was. You still using to dialogue. play it. Well, I can play. I can just there say There we go. Oh, you got it? Okay, here's Al Sharpton. Yeah, Shabden. but for some reason, it's the whole minute. That's fine. I got to watch an ad. Well, the Al's with a wizard. And, and you can't get past that ad. Got to watch an ad. A spelling school. Yeah, he didn't mean to spell it wrong. It just was like he was going fast. I, I must just, have been living under a rock because I didn't even know. So Al Sharpton was on TV. I set it up. Al Sharpton was on MSNBC. TV. And he was tr- MSNBC. And he was saying how much he loved Rita and what mm-hmm. she's done for the country. And I'm telling you, she needs some respect. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Sometimes the dog bites back with a book deal. And while we're talking about female canines, you know what they say about payback? It's a real, well, you, I'm sure you know the word I'm thinking of. <laughs> so in the words of my late friend Aretha Franklin, Show some R E S P I C T. He was playing. 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 He was 
serious. Oh, wait a minute. I, I always spell respect with an I. <laughs> so you, you've been respect. using the E all this time. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so very Boy. quickly, I'll get through this in about 15 seconds. So, okay. so, so Catch Me Outside, how about that? Mm-hmm. His name, her name is Bad Baby, B-H-A-D-B-H-A-B-I-E. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bad it's Baby. spelled like Bod. And she's like bi- 15. I don't know. She's 15 yeah, exactly. She's 15 now, and she's on she's on tour, tour. With, with Ty Dolla Sign. Is she oh, really? She's on tour yeah. with Ty Dolla Sign. Now there's that. one problem. We talked about her yesterday being a double gold seller now, and then she's on tour with Ty Dolla Sign. Uh, last night, Ty Dolla Sign got arrested for narcotics. <laughs> no, well, no. Gee, really? So now, now she's, she's the headliner. So now she's the <laughs> I think it's a setup. I think it's a setup. You think you got the weed now? Come in. Check his front pocket. His left pocket has some shenanigans. Wow. Oh yeah, I'm sure she doesn't have any narcotics in her system. Well, Did we no. ever play a clip of her actually singing? No, I. No, oh, Dad refused. You can't. No, you I can't. listened to it. Oh well, I mean the lyrics. It's called like Gucci flip flops. It's there's no second in there that we could play. No, no, second. it's a little vulgar. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's not. It's not PC. Uh, yeah, we got to keep this stuff clean. Oh, so, absolutely. Not even one Do second. Casey Case, I'm introducing her. <laughs> yeah. And this week on American Top 40, we've got Bad Baby, also known as Danielle Bergoli. <laughs> That was nice. Thank you. Tom, that was, that was dead on. I almost replaced him on American Top 40, but they said, your voices are too similar. People are going to think that you're you're imitating him. Really? Think so he faked his death or Shadow something? Shadow Stevens did it instead of me, but that, that, oh, was, that's that right. was cool. Oh, oh, okay. I wonder if uh, you do voices. I got a couple good voices I can do. Do you? Yeah, I, I, I do it. a lot of voices. Most people don't know I can do voices. I can do, I do a real good Dave Chappelle. I love really? Dave Chappelle. Yeah, yeah. Who doesn't Let's love Dave Chappelle? Chappelle. Uh, well, let me see. Let me let me go. Let me channel. Let me channel. Let's hear this. All right, here we go. <laughs> Time is amazing. I'm on your show, man. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. That is really That's good. Great. Oh shit! Because CH had said to me this that he said, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I was smoking a cigarette at the time. And <laughs> That's really good. That's, That's great. Phenomenal. That was good. I love it. That was really yeah. good. And. <laughs> You should do the show. I was right outside, right? Let me tell you how this happened, man. This is truth. I was outside having a cigarette. Now, nowhere. Didn't know who you were at the time. He said, man, you got to go talk to time. He's the baddest white man out here. I said, all right. It's insane. You should do the show tonight. Nobody knows the difference. Shave your head. That's wonderful. Oh, man. That was funny. You know what? The funny, my favorite Dave Chappelle story. I uh, I was in Dayton, Ohio doing a show, and I did not know Dave lived out there, right? So uh, he was at the che- so I went to the cheesecake cheesecake factory earlier that day, and Dave went to pick up some cheesecake. So somebody had told Dave that I was in there, right? So Dave comes into the Dayton Funny Bone. <laughs> he hits the door. Man, this is crazy, man. I was getting me some cheesecake, and it was like there's another famous person here in Dayton. I was like, I know I'm the most famous person. Because <laughs> there's nobody famous in Dayton, right? And they said, Bill Bellman, I said, ah! God, he sat there and ate his cheesecake with me. Really? Yeah. Man. Can you nice. can you recite the entire blind white supremacy? <laughs> no. Oh, <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Huh? Man, oh my God, that was so. 
Oh man, let me tell you something. I really do miss Dave's show. Oh, I do. I can honestly say that if that show was on right now with all the craziness that's going on, he could be writing some of the most controversial stuff. Because the climate is perfect for his attitude. No Mm -hmm. doubt. Right? Flipping stuff upside down from Trump to the, you know, to all the, you know, the racial tension. Oh, the NFL. Just do it. Did you see him on the NSF? Uh, SNL right after the election. Uh-uh. Yeah, oh, yeah. Good. I think he was on with Chris Rock, wasn't he? Uh, I think maybe. He, so he was really basically good, the skit was a bunch of left wing snowflake liberal white people are watching right. the election returns and they're getting just cracked as it looks like Trump's gonna win. Right. And Chappelle had a pretty interesting slant on it. It's like you guys have no idea what you're getting upset about. It look it up. It was really good. Oh, it was really it was funny, good. but it was also he also made some really good points too. So. And what I like uh, about Dave, I mean, we've been friends for a long time. We started together is that people don't give him credit for how smart he is. Oh, he's a very smart guy. You know, I mean, if you really think about the stuff he talks about, you could tell he's well-read. Yeah. So he'll take a tough topic and flip it. Yeah, Yeah. but I think he also has kind of a doofy he makes himself you know, out yeah. to be more like of a yeah. jester type yeah, yeah. But, yeah. yeah but the stuff that he talks about is really powerful like you know he'll he'll grab a topic and just like turn it inside out on you and you're laughing you're like wow i mean I, damn because both his parents are um are educators mm-hmm. he came you know came from a very very nice background yeah. and oh. just happened to be really funny yeah, yeah, his writing is, is brilliant yeah. so. he is unbelievable well, and, you know Neil Brennan Big J Okerson all the people that wrote with him yeah. he, he went and got yeah. people who were really really good writers smart people and he also does the greatest Tiger Woods impression I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that thing. I'm just telling you guys, I, I, he's got these big white teeth. <laughs> I mean, well, Tiger's teeth are too big for his mouth. They, they are, are huge. He's got somebody else's teeth. Because <laughs> they don't fit his face. Like, when, even when his mouth right. is closed, his mouth is open. No, it's true. Exactly. It's true. But, yeah, you got I that do whole miss cap him. thing. The whole that, like, that's cap. when you get those veneers and they just give you the triple X. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. There it is right you just, there. You can buy the apple through a picket fence. Cassie <laughs> <laughs> like that. One. That, chuck, that made Cassie chuckle. Right there. Cassie chuckle. It's I absolutely chuckle. true. So tonight we got a lot of funny, man. We got oh. a lot of funny for you guys oh, out man. here in oh, the Midwest. We're going to make y'all laugh till you I mean, I make people laugh till they till it really hurts. Like, really? People come out of my shows and they just like, my face. Oh, my God. Because you no know one lasts for an hour. Like, if you laugh for an hour, your stomach muscles hurt. Yeah. Sure. yeah. But but you feel good. Laughter yeah. is yeah. everything. It is. You ever had a good, good laugh? Yes. And just feel exhilarated afterwards? You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> I should laugh twice a day. Feel twice like you've exercised a lot of times if you're yeah. laughing. Like, I always get a good laugh when I see somebody fall. <laughs> I do not know why. That's right. I, I don't know I why do fall. And, and then you feel bad. Do you right. chuckle right. first or you laugh first? I wait for them to look around. Because <laughs> when they fall and they fall good, they fall and then they look around. Just seeing somebody's arm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you I'm you always that like guy Minnesota that looked right huh? You say you don't like Minnesota in the winter? I got a story for you about Bill in Minnesota in the winter, but it's actually Minnesota in April. It's still it's late winter. It can yeah. be winter. We were here in April. Leaving out the hotel. It snowed. 
profusely. <laughs> it was. It, 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 there's a such thing as that. a tsunami of snow. You mm. lived here. It was a tsunami Spring of snow. Storm. And I had mm-hmm. on church shoes, right? Oh. oh. You already know oh, what it's going on. So I walked out of the hotel and I turned the corner. <laughs> when I say oh, no. my feet, I can oh, see no. the back of my heels yeah. above my head. <laughs> I went up in the air at least four or five feet and poof on my back. I had to laugh. Because yeah. it was so funny. Like, I haven't fallen like that since I was five. But yeah. you have to take an assessment. Am I injured? No. For yeah. one second. No. no? Your, your, both your feet have. When the last time in your life, both your feet, you saw your, your, your shoestrings above your head? That's how high yeah. I went up yeah. in the air and hit my back. Poof. It and happens. Next, next and this fool got it. Look at it. He got it on his phone. Oh. Oh, you got it? Oh. Yeah. Ooh. You got, where's 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 where? uh, that's that's, that's a snowmobile snow. similar it's got snow in it, <laughs> it i won't find it I, these uh, guys had didn't say are you okay bill dang that was bad days like instagram i got snow in my mouth I went to high school in the early 70s in the platform shoe era. Oh, dear. Oh, you saw yeah. a lot of that. And I had a friend of mine who was as tall as I am, maybe Jerome. 140 pounds. You know Jerome. His actual name was Jerome, but he was like, <laughs> oh, there you go. His name was Jerome. Yeah, there you go. And he was, well, he, he'd sold that speed like all the time. That sounds like the 70s name, so just high all the time. Mm. And when we'd walk down the street, he'd wipe out every block and he'd try to blame it on somebody else. God damn it, you pushed me. <laughs> It's like the platform me. shoes. You can't walk on the them on like shoes are not made for anything but oh. dance floors. Yeah. yeah. And they can't be wet. We saw an NBA player wipe out yeah. big time it was on love. the ice. He used to play with the Timberwolves and he went to the Cat Tall guy like Lee. that. And he, he did the same thing. He did the ass over tea kettle thing. Yeah, that's you. what you call it. <laughs> I didn't know I had a name. Ass over tea kettle. I like that. No, yeah, and someone who was like almost eight feet tall yeah. doing that. All that that's Gigantic. a lot of ass over tea kettle. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to keep that one. I never heard that because that, that's a visual for you. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Ass over tea kettle. Might not work in LA. What are you talking about? Oh, my God. He got saved. It, it, it was on my stories, but it was. It, it didn't. Oh, oh, you were such a letdown. You were such a letdown. Oh, Thanks for nothing. That's like the chick that says she's coming over. Oh, a helicopter fell on the highway. <laughs> All right, just say no. Don't don't tell me that. Don't 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 give me I the shenanigans. I, I thought I had it. Oh my god, I want to see you. Won't you come by? Oh my god, I just went on television. A helicopter fell on the whole city. <laughs> you know what? You don't like me. You don't like me like that. You don't like me like that. Oh man, what's the wildest? Let me tell you. Oh, I was uh, we was talking about this off air, right? So when I was on MTV, I uh, had an opportunity to interview Michael Jackson, right? Oh, yeah. Biggest biggest interview Michael Jackson. Let me take a break here because I want to hear it uninterrupted. Okay. We'll be right back in a couple minutes, Tom Bernard Show. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. Said rolling around, sitting on doves, can't lie, I was high on shrubs, cooling in my escalade. Man, I'm paid, I got it made. Take me to your special place. Close your eyes, show me your face. I'm gonna piss on it. That was Bill Bellamy on the best of. Coming up next, we had comedian Hal Sparks in studio talking about the way of the world today. Next on the best of. 
Let's dance. I love this song. It's a great song. <laughs> it is. Yeah, Boy George sang it. That was his oh, opening yeah, yeah. song at the State Fair. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Matt? It was a good show. So Boy George sang this at the State Fair? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. No, it was a phenomenal concert. Oh, I do. Uh, Boy George at a State Fair? You had me at State Fair. You had me at, <laughs> had me at Funnel Cake. I don't even need... <laughs> you I mean, need to hear Boy George, first, huh? Yeah, no, no, no. Boy George, State Fair. That yeah, sounds... A, that's, uh, that's That translates to party, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Well, yeah, it was a triple threat. We had the Thompson twins, then the b 50 Both of them? Mm-hmm. No, just the one. Just the one. <laughs> They're not twins. You know that, right? I they know. They just look vaguely <laughs> like... like they, uh, <laughs> I felt cheated. Well, I was like the week earlier. It was Sinbad and Earth, Wind, and Fire. Earth, Wind, and Fire told jokes. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it's an inversion of both their things. Whatever. Exactly. Sinbad does a mad. You know. Do you remember twenty first night? Yeah. Hal Sparks in studio, ladies and gentlemen. That's He's right. at New Hope Cinema Grill tonight for a couple of shows. Jerry's here for the first time, and I'm blaming Hal. Jerry's here, but he didn't bring anything like cookies or ribs yeah, or anything. Rips. I didn't know if you could eat them. The hell I can't. Oh, that's See? true. No, I could, but uh, don't <laughs> I mean, worry about it. I just if I knew JB was going to be here, I'd have brought some ribs. <laughs> oh, is that, is that a racist <laughs> comment? <laughs> Ribs for, the, ribs for the black guy, huh? Where's the black <laughs> man here? Let's find I've never biscuits? had your ribs, so I'm, I would have accepted them. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm familiar with the chicken stereotype. I'm not familiar with the ribs stereotype. That's more I, of a I'm southern like, thing. More of, yeah, more of a, like no, a Flintstones kind of a thing, well, really. Yeah, yeah, like well, smoking it, uh, a pit, and I think mine are better. Right. Oh, well, oh, your oh, ribs I haven't had yours, so I, see. I can't see. <laughs> but, uh, I, oh, I, we went there. We went there. Called the itis. Uh-huh. It's a thing in black culture when you eat, like, you know, when mm-hmm. people eat turkey, the trick to fan. Yep. Yes. Fan. Well, ribs do the same thing to black people. Uh-huh. Really? Uh-huh. It's just a we form. get the itis. Oh, <laughs> the itis. <laughs> yeah. Makes you pass out? Yeah, you right. pass out on I the see. couch. I, yeah. Well. He couldn't sleep at night, so the, the bit was his wife grabbed a bucket of ribs and handed it to him. Oh, like Salmonex oh, yeah, ribs. Right. I see. Right. Yeah. Salmonex <laughs> ribs. Right. That really sounds delicious. Turns out it's just a way of like, it's like getting a dog to take a pill. You just put it in, yep. you know, peanut butter and just works <laughs> yep. with no, ribs or whatever. It's yeah. all the sauce and fat. Yeah, yeah, yeah it Get is. You to <laughs> oh, I forgot. Knock, knock you out. I forgot yeah. about that skit. They were in bed and he's in there eating <laughs> ribs. Bed, and he's ribs got barbecue. He's like passed out with barbecue, barbecue sauce, sauce all over himself. Him. Right. It all works out. In the yeah. End. That's all I know. Sugar will take you down. That's you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You don't want me on sugar. No. 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 What? Anything that anything that like caffeine, sugar, anything that hypes you up is a mistake. Right. Thing, just ex- exacerbates your personality flaws yeah, and, and adds volume and intensity. Literally, it'd be like, hey, Hal, how you doing? Five minutes later, the hell are you looking at? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, all I gave him was a Jolly Rancher. How did that happen? <laughs> I mean, it was phenomenal. it was sour apple and everything. Like I saved him the best one. Well, wasn't even that it's sweet. Like, yeah. Why is he punching that child? Oh, God, ribs. Gave, somebody gave him ribs. Al, I got to tell you, I really enjoyed our conversation on the KQ Morning Show this morning because people do yeah. people even broach those subjects with you when you come on an average radio show. Uh, not Project unless they want to unpack something. Yeah, like uh, not unless they want to unpack an entire you know subject. Because I, I tend you know if we're gonna have a real conversation about something, let's discuss some of the stuff. 
stuff that's not really spoken of yeah, half right. the time. No, I mean, I that's agree. the whole point of having a conversation. We know all the points that have been hit, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so no, I guess is the short answer because a lot of people don't want to, you know, tap into the like the, the deeper why. I do. Yeah. That's what's interesting. Exactly. It. It it's the only way you're going to get to a solution. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Where'd you grow up? Uh, I went uh, Kentucky, uh, and then when I got when I was 14, I moved to Chicago, Chicago with my dad. Yeah. yeah. Lost my accent. Learned to be a civilized, you know, child not raised by <laughs> yeah. wolves at that point. And love then Chicago. Yeah, it's a favorite love. city in North America. No mine offense too. to Minneapolis, no, I love too. it, but yeah, Chicago love is is yeah. I mean, I I understand. I went to puberty there, so I'm hormonally attached to the space and <laughs> yeah. have all those memories. You know, like yeah. hey, that's the song that was playing yeah. when that happened the first time. Uh, that all happened in Chicago. Um, but then 18, graduated from New Trier, packed all my stuff in my oh, car, and went to LA. Yeah, really? yeah, yeah. Okay, which is a big switch. You know, it's from Kentucky to New Trier. You know, it was like yeah, oh yes, I can yeah. see that. I can see it. The reason I ask you that is because it, it, living in Minnesota is an interesting place. Yes, right. uh, half the people, nice people you ever want to meet, and the other half of the biggest pricks ever born. It's sure, un- it's unbelievable. Right, and maybe that's how Kentucky is. I don't think Chicago's like that necessarily. Chicago's just kind of like the world's biggest small town. I feel like I feel like the yeah, guy like that. you could be robbed at gunpoint, but the guys you it would go bears this year, right? And you'd go, yeah, totally. You know what I mean? There's <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. this like instant bond with the entire city that you just kind of have. Hey, Can, Hal, what's going yeah. on? Uh, give me your wallet, by the way. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's <laughs> yeah. that Midwestern comfort that everybody has. Mm-hmm. Um, Kentucky's, you know, Kentucky's a, a southern state, you know, that was divided in the Civil War. So there's yeah. this weird mix of like people who are sort of future looking. You know, my dad is an architect and he designed two of the most, the, the first totally solar homes in the United States and they really? were built in Kentucky. Oh, really? Meanwhile, you know, eastern Kentucky and Pikeville and places like that, they will like fight for illiteracy. They're like, it's a point of pride. <laughs> fight for illiteracy. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's you, good. You know, it's, and it's, it literally is a, like a fever pitched like fear of, you know, books. Those are, you know. That you sounds can, like Missouri. I grew up yeah. in St. Yeah. Louis and the eastern part of St. Louis. Every part of, of Missouri that isn't St. Louis, you mean? Yeah. Like everything outside <laughs> of the, the industrial right. limits of St. Louis is yeah, kind yeah. of backwoods and, you know, the... the yeah, I suppose. The... Uh headquarters of the Klan when I was growing up was in uh, Columbia, which is the capital city. Sure, right. Which is it. And by headquarters, we mean that guy's porch. (laughs) And half the Baptist church, like two deacons and six guys at the house who like, we're really, it ain't that we're as racist as we used to be. We're just preppers. (laughs) And when you boil down to it, to be a prepper, you gotta understand it's gotta be your race. You know what I mean? If you're a black prepper, you're gonna be racist too. Just do with your group, because when it all boils down, there's only many, so many cans of beans to go around, and none of us know how to do nothing. So we're just stockpiling other people's uh, intelligence. Like, I don't know how to can stuff, do you? No, uh, so no. let's get cans of beans. No. It's like how, uh, in some places, the local Klan chapter and the local Black Panther chapter work together to keep segregation alive, because it's both what they wanted. <laughs> well, they hate each other. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. Always, it's always struck me that, like, what would be viewed as sort of inner-city black people and rednecks have so much in common yes. even though they, they, they yes. both eat crap yeah. they yeah. both don't yeah. like to read yeah. they both use the n-word a lot you know what i mean they have a lot to bond over yeah. no. he's 100 percent right yeah they're the same they're angry about mm-hmm. the same stuff you yeah. know what i mean yeah. they 
like like both both are on welfare. Yeah, exactly. Oh, There's just a volume. Yeah, I will say the redneck welfare volume is higher. Right. You know, you might. But most people don't know or think that. No, no, absolutely. They There's, think the exact opposite. That's right. There's, although I think it was Chris Rock who was saying there's not enough black people in the whole country right. to to create the welfare budget. It just isn't physically possible. No, that's very true. Yeah, but and, that's who they show on TV. Oh when yeah, they talk about welfare. Well, because no, because black people on welfare are, are are more telegenic than white people on welfare. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. the, yeah. Quite frankly, that's true. You know, they they've got all their teeth. They look relatively normal. Yeah, they, Where, they, you they get, get to the, Eastern the, Kentucky right, welfare. They get their check and they run out and get new clothes and this that, and the other. That's right. Whereas so. Eastern Kentucky, it's the blind banjo kid from yep. Deliverance. Who's <laughs> <laughs> Bigfoot like ten times. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they don't buy liquor. They buy things to make well, their own liquor. Oh, my God. Uh. Have you seen The Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia, the documentary? Uh, no. no. Oh, my oh, God. Yes. The Whites. Okay, yes. yeah. So, so the Jesco White and the White family in, in West Virginia, they're basically Eastern Kentucky people. Just basically century, like like half a century of coal dust's effect on the brain <laughs> has led these people to just be kind of pers- permanently derelict. And what happened was... In, right when Social Security was coming, there was always this push that this is just communism making its, you know, oh, communism yeah, yeah. making its push on the United States right. in its form of social programs. And the, the the white family patriarch of West Virginia was a congressman. He voted against Social Security and Medicare and all these things when they came out. And he, when they passed, he to show people how easy it was to manipulate the system, he had all of his family declared in the vernacular of the time mentally retarded. Mentally so that they could receive welfare and social security benefits. Well, technically speaking, retarded (laughs) people can't have not retarded people as children. So all of the people in the white family have qualified under SS since then as mentally retarded. So they all receive SS social security benefits. I guess he did make his point. It was, yeah. Uh, Well, and there's no arguing if you meet them that they wouldn't qualify either because inbred rednecks from that general area also have that generic effect, and they all blow their social security checks on oxycotton and oxycodone and, and, and drugs. They're the gnarliest, nastiest, most brutal people. And they did this documentary about them, and like they interview them individually. And like the the hot redneck one that used to strip has a has a voice that sounds like a cheese grater that smokes cigarettes. You know, I am the beat what everybody knows. I'm the finest piece of a around there. These parts. Everybody wanted a piece of me back in the day. And she had know. like no teeth. Oh, and it, yeah. She looks like a leather satchel. <laughs> and, you know, and an extra two inches of inbred forehead. You know what I mean? Where oh, they yes. start. The where the, where, yeah. yeah, where it's, you know, gymnastics can sometimes be the cause of a receding hairline in girls because they just pull the hair back so far right. that it just goes, I give up. But in rednecks, <laughs> it's totally natural. You know, and they got that kind of just like, it looks like the surface of the moon kind of by the time they're in their mid 30s. Sure. And yeah, with just a wig halfway up, but she's got a. And in the middle of her having this discussion about how she went to jail for six years for attempted murder because she her husband came home drunk and tried, and she's like, "This mf is gonna try to kill me," so I stabbed him with a steak knife and it broke off in his sternum, so I had to shoot him. And, and then this little six-year-old high on Mountain Dew, bouncing around behind her, just pops up and goes. Mama, tell him how that SOB tried to kill you that one time. You know. Hey, do me a favor. Uh, when you do the woman, yeah, you just did. Could you add a little bit of a lisp to it? Because you 
sound just like somebody, except for they have a list, but I'll tell you who it is. This, I don't know why y'all want me to come down here something. <laughs> <laughs> who is it? It's Lou Holtz. It sounds just like Lou Holtz. Oh, no. Sorry, Lou. He's got the, he's got the I, redneck. You sound like a redneck stripper with a lip. I worked, with a lip. I worked for the man for three months. Oh, yes. well. Which, that's like nine years in people time. I have bad dog news. Years. I have bad news way. for the bachelors out there. Oh, you Uh-oh. do? Sue Bob White, yes. the hot one. Yeah. Uh, Get married? Soon after the film ended, she got arrested and has been in prison ever since. Oh. Yeah. Uh oh. Oh, Pony White. He yeah. moved to Minneapolis. Yes, Uh-oh. one of them did. Hell's in trouble. Min- Look at yeah. that. Going to no, man, if he escaped, believe me, he's on. A- I grew up he, in Kentucky. He, he felt the need to leave to improve his life. So. Yeah, well, that would be it. Yeah, but and then again, and, he made and, that decision. And ruined parts of Minneapolis. After, he made that decision after being convicted for prescription fraud, so, yeah. Yeah. It's well, not like he's. Yeah, he, he left, but he was also the problem. The so standard. Like, well, no, no, no. The standard. I mean, like, because what is. Well, yeah, I suppose prescription I mean, fraud versus. They have like, vocational. Murder. Yeah, they have vocational courses at the community college yeah. in prescription fraud around there. Like, that's a, yeah. that's a growth industry in West Virginia. Virginia, but yeah. yeah, so I mean, these all of all of them were on public assistance. I gotta go. I gotta see this. It's oh, a movie. Yes. wild and wonderful. Whites of West Virginia. It's, I'll send you a link it was on, to it. It okay. was on Netflix for a while. I don't know if it still is, but ho- yeah. it's on. I mean, you can watch it on YouTube, like the Vice documentaries. Well, now. I, I've watched it twice. That's oh. a, it, it'll make you. It, it it plays up to every stereotype of white trash hillbilly. Well, there's a reason uh, the stereotype exists in yeah. some ways. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, they they are the one poster them, yeah. children for this. And the and the the. <laughs> the entire raison d'etre, if I may uh, borrow Ooh, the French like for this family, is the fact that the that Jesco White, the older uncle, brother, whatever, that kind of, yeah. it's hard to mix, and also aunt, sister, friend Jesco, of the family, yeah. was, uh, they did a special on him on like on public television called The Dancing Outlaw, about him being mm-hmm. the last West Virginia clog dancer. Because this may surprise you, but West Virginia clog dancing as a dancing style has died out over the years. Because apparently, as an art form, it entails uh, getting completely blitzed on uh, like bathtub gin or whiskey of your own, like toilet alcohol from the prison, standing on a a picnic table while everybody's around playing music and and dancing as if someone has poured ants and hot sauce in your pants. Like, it's just this kind of like leaping, (laughs) clapping, jumping that's like hardly quali- it qual it doesn't qualify as a, as dancing. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like somebody making fun of tap that can't do oh, it. Oh yeah, right? okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like, I oh, you that. guys just get up here and bop 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 bop. And someone in his family went, "You're good at that." I'm like I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and, we gotta take a quick break. We'll yeah. be right back. Right after this, more with Hal. Phenomenal Hal. Absolutely. That voice you're doing about the the, the guy uh-huh. from Kentucky. Yeah. I used to work at a metal shop called General Metal. Uh-huh. I was 19 years old. Yeah, it was in the late 60s, so I had very long hair. Mm-hmm. And a guy talked just like you're talking mm-hmm. like this, and he comes up to me after about a week being there, and he goes, "Hey, Tom, let me ask you a question." I said, "Yeah, what's that?" And he goes, "Are you queer?" <laughs> <laughs> what? Back, back in a couple of minutes, Tom Bernard Show. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. Well, my worn out boots are taking me downtown, and I'm looking for. Trouble and I wanna get loud. Serve me up a drink and I'll shoot it right down and I'll jump up on the car and holler one more. 
is Hal Sparks on the best of. Coming up next, closing out the show. We're opening up the old vault. All the way back to episode 34 with Jeff Cesario. Next on the best of. I'm racing these back roads trying to save my life because the sheriff wants to kill me because I fucked his wife. Good morning, Dakota. Hello, Dakota. This is Tom Bernard calling for Jeff Cesario. Tom Bernard, one moment, please. I'll transfer you now. Thank, Thank you, dear. Tom Bernard, that's Tom Bernard. <laughs> Tom Bernard. I remember when I worked in Grand Forks many years ago, and I still had kind of a North Side accent. The general manager comes to me and goes, why do you call yourself Toppin' Out? And I said, <laughs> yes, what? Yes. He goes, you do it, Toppin' Out. I said, no, it's Tom Bernard. He goes... Oh, I thought you were saying top and out. <laughs> what? Yeah, like you could understand their accents up in Grand Forks. It's Forest. actually top and out. Top and out. Is El Jefe with us? Yes. There he is right there. You're now royalty, El Jefe. Oh, here we go. El Jefe. That always reminds me of uh, Rip Torn from uh, Larry Sanders. Well, gee, I wonder why that would come to mind. How many, how many years were you on the Larry Sanders show? I only did a season on staff, but uh, the year before the season I was on staff, I wrote a script with Judd Apatow uh, called The Bump, which was autobiographical about me getting bumped off Larry Sanders <laughs> ten times. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, yeah, they always referenced him. You didn't write the jingle, I hope, for that yeah, show. Yeah, and, and yeah. so... Um, what what we did was take. I had started to write jokes for Larry Sanders for, for Gary for Larry for pretty much the entire run of the show monologue jokes because right. they would do a monologue night every couple of months and he would just blast out six monologues or seven monologues for all those episodes just go backstage and change suits and come out and do another five minutes so uh, I'd been writing jokes for that for quite some time since pretty much the beginning of the show. And then just as a, as a hoot for a kick, for, you know, a little throwback at me, they would occasionally mention me at the end of the uh, fictitious talk show before they launched into whatever they were doing. Right. So, you know, it would, uh, and then it became like a, uh, for fun, he started to do, you know, I'd like to thank uh, David Duchovny and, uh, and uh, you know, Lisa Bonet, uh, and uh, my apologies to Jeff Cesario. <laughs> for uh, running out of time. We'll see Jeff next week or something like that. <laughs> so, so just as a hoot, you know, and it was always fun. But then I counted them, and it was like ten of them, and I said, you know, I think officially I've actually been bumped ten times off the Larry Sanders show. Why don't we do an episode about it where Jeff just gets fed up and says the hell with it. And, uh, and so Judd said, that's a great idea. So we, we whipped it up, and Judd was extraordinarily helpful. He really had Gary's style down pretty good. And uh, that, that became a, a really popular episode where I finally get on the show, but it's the same day that Hank's dad dies. So <laughs> Hank, wants <to> <laughs> Hank wants to do a giant eulogy to his dad on air. And, uh, and, and then, of course, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, that, that night, it's like everything goes right but wrong for, for me. Like, you know, Tom Petty decides, yeah, I'll do three tunes instead of one. You know, nobody ever does that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that was that. And, and, uh, and, uh, and all the guests were going along, and Larry kept trimming everybody, and Larry cuts off David Duchovny in, like, the middle of, a, of an anecdote, and he's just trimming people left and right, and Artie keeps coming. My, my favorite scene in the whole thing is Artie uh, comes up to me. I'm at the craft service table, and he goes, what are you leading with? 
And I go, my, uh, my coffee house bit, it's my favorite bit. He goes, love that bit. Cut it by a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so love literally it, by it. the end of the show, I'm doing about 90 seconds. But I get out there and I kill. And then right after me, Hank comes out to do his eulogy, and he falls apart 30 seconds in. They've saved him five minutes. Oh. He falls apart 30 <laughs> seconds in and says, you know, I have to admit, I never knew my dad. <laughs> now Larry looks over at Artie and just goes, what? And Artie gives him this stretch signal because now they're short. <laughs> So funny. So they have to stretch, and then the, the upshot is the tag is we go to a Larry's house to watch it uh, at the end of the night, and just about a, as I'm about to s- uh, step foot on stage, uh, we are um, uh, canceled. That we're superseded by another celebrity slow speed chase. <laughs> so uh, that was great, and Larry, re- uh, Gary really liked that script, so he said, "You know, why don't you come on staff the next season?" So that's how I wound up on staff working with incredible actors like Rip Torn and Jeffrey Tambor. Oh, they're wonderful, both of them. You all here are in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Remember the the audio of Rip Torn drunk in the police station? Yeah. yeah. Right. You're all here, you're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Jeff Cesario with us, ladies and gentlemen. How many Emmys did you win? I have uh, two Emmys, both from Dennis Miller Live, and then I was just nominated for my third we lost uh, to Louis C.K. I wrote on the Oscars this year, and uh, we lost out to the, the great Louis C.K. for his stand-up special. And, you know, when you're a stand-up, uh, if a stand-up beats you, that's, like, beautiful. I mean, because, you know, you know how hard it is to write an hour of great material and get out on stage and tell it yourself. So right. there, was, uh, there was no pain in that one. Would have been nice to win, but, uh, hey, Louis got a tremendous show and has always been a tremendous stand-up, so that was cool. We've got a million things we want to talk about, but I was talking to Jeff last week, uh, asking him to be on the Tom Bernard podcast, and I brought up the fact that the family went to see Dennis Miller in Palm Beach at the uh, Kravis Center. Right, the Kravis Center. And he was, what, you don't remember? I'm just kidding, I do. Oh, my God. <laughs> Alex, Alex pretending she doesn't remember. Oh, by the way, Jeff, oh, yeah. you were uh, there. my wife Catherine, my daughter Alex, my son Andy, and my nephew Sean, also Tony Lee. You remember Tony from the KQ? The KK. great Tony Lee. Yeah. Jeffrey. Not just Tony Lee. Very hilarious human being. Thanks, Jeff. How's, how's, you? how's little Bailey? She's fantastic. She's, uh, she's kicking my ass. Uh, <laughs> the energy level is shocking. I don't remember having that energy level. As a kid, I think it was slapped out of me by my parents <laughs> at a time when apparently you could slap your kids to no avail. It's it, true. It, it, you know, uh, everybody treated their kids like black kids back then. Bang! Pops <laughs> into oh, a wall. Nobody cared. Pow! Right into the shoe department at Tinney's. It was horrible. So oh, yeah. that, I never, I don't remember just running around like a crazed person, but apparently that's okay now. So she gets to do that. So you have to understand one thing. Jeff can get away with a joke like that because remember the Moore thing? You ever seen oh, that yeah, scene? Absolutely. In- no, I mean, <laughs> you, look, if you look at a map, it's a 45 mile swim to Tunisia from Italy. <laughs> I'm sure I've got black blood in me. I'm positive. On we have talked many times. Handsome man that he is, that cuts quite a quite a figure. Jeff does look like a terrorist. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, seriously, I haven't shaved. I shave every nine minutes. Okay. All the ear hair. There isn't a towel getting anywhere near my head. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I was just reminiscing this morning about a Christmas. Remember the Christmas party at my house, Jeff? 
Absolutely. That is one of the best parties I've been to. <laughs> Just for the absurdity of it. Tom invites me to a Christmas party at his oh, house. Yeah. I walk in. There's, uh, you know, literally there's, there's the cognoscenti of Minneapolis-St. Paul is there. There's uh, Tim Pawlenty, if I'm not mistaken. There's all sorts of celebrities. Uh, Glenn Mason is sitting there back when he was still coaching. Right. You know, I mean, everybody's there. I'm like, wow, this is incredible. I must thank Tom immediately and get a beer. Where's Tom? No one knows where Tom is. <laughs> Finally, I believe I run into your lovely wife who says mm-hmm. he's locked in the uh, cigar closet down there. <laughs> I believe she used that term. She didn't use, well, you know, walk in whatever, walk in a humidor. She said the cigar closet. Who's in the cigar closet? So I go down there, and she and she literally said, "See if you can raise him." <laughs> like it's 6 a.m. on a farm. It's 10:30 at night. I go downstairs to the cigar closet. I'm pounding on the door like a like a like. Like Serpico. Like a terrorist. <laughs> like Serpico. On that second floor walk-up when he gets shot under the eye. Yes, yes. <laughs> and pounding on your door like that. Come on, open up! It was great. I mean, and I'm, he comes in, so I unlocked the door. sound asleep, incidentally, yeah, for about another just, hour. This is still a sore spot, so thanks for bringing it up. I remember lying on the couch in there. I'm, I'm on the couch, and Jeff is sitting in a chair, and he's going, Tom. Don't you think you should go to your own party? <laughs> yeah. And then remember Wild what happened idea. next? What that woman said? Oh, oh that no. crazy oh, woman! You were there for all of that. <sighs> uh, so I we that. finally dragged Tom upstairs and were immediately accosted by some drunk, crazy woman. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Should I, should Don't I... say her name. No, oh, I'm not going to say her name. But <laughs> okay. should I tell you what? <laughs> I got. I have to yes, tell who? the listeners what she said. Alex, you want to, might want to block your ears. For I've this heard one. it. I was right there when this she said it. Not heard it. I've not heard it. Yeah, you, you were, were probably Tony, locked in yeah, another no, closet. You have not heard it either. What happened? So Jeff gets me to come up. Tom, let's go upstairs now. <laughs> okay, Uncle Jeff. I'll, I'll follow you. <laughs> so I follow Jeff up the stairs. And there's uh, Norm Coleman, Tim Pawlenty, Glenn Mason, coach of the University of Minnesota, a uh, couple of actors. You know, So it's Jeff me and all these people sitting around a circle and this woman <clears throat> comes and sits down next to me <laughs> and she's pretty hammered and she says and is to this day <laughs> you have you have a nice voice i said well thank you very much i yeah. she goes, you do radio huh i said yeah i have a morning show it uh it's in the morning. And Jeff's looking at me like, what in the fuck is going on here? <laughs> so she says, I'm sad. I said, oh, that's too bad. Why are you sad? And by the way, Jeff, when I say this punchline, I'm looking at the table. I can't look at my children. <clears throat> anyway. And of course, at this point, I back out like a, like a guy at Jiffy Loop who can't sell you the big package. <laughs> I literally just walk away like, all right, that's it. You're a smart man. You were there for the punchline. I was. So she said, I'm sad. I said, that's too bad. Why are you sad? My husband's divorcing me. And I said, oh, that's too bad. Irreconcilable differences. And with a very serious (laughs) tone, her voice says, no, he's looking for a younger woman with a smaller hole. (laughs) Oh, my God. My son, Andy, just went into a panic. Wow. That's a true story. Oh, my God. And, I, and, of course, what do I say, Jeff? 
Oh, I'm sure that's not it. I'm yeah. sure your hole is just fine and proportional to the rest of your body. Oh. Now it's a polite Midwesterner. Oh. Does he have a small oh, wiener? Your hole. Oh. I'm sure it's not your hole. You know they have surgeries. <laughs> I'm sure it's not the fact that you've been... Uh, drunk probably the better part of your adult life. Yeah, <laughs> and say that. these sorts of things to strangers. But, but Jeff oh. looks at me, and he's got this look in his eye like, let's go back down to the cigar closet. <laughs> exactly. Lock ourselves in. Now you know why he locked himself oh, away. I think that was the night uh, uh, Glenn Mason decided, you know, I'm just not going to coach anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Said, I'm giving it up. And, and she said it in front of all these guys, and every one of them, it's the governor, a U.S. senator, like I said, some actors, the head coach, and he, they're all looking at me like, what is your deal? Like, yeah. it was my fault. <laughs> Who well, everybody looked her? around like, you know, it just doesn't change. <laughs> exactly. No matter how nice the house, no matter how nice the party, no matter how nice the guest list, there's going to be a drunk woman there. There's one always one. About her hole. One other very quick story about that Christmas party. And it was the last one we had, so we might yeah. want to think about having another one. This is a true story. Everybody from the state is there. And, you know, not, I'm not trying to be an asshole here. It's just, it is a fact, Right. Came to the party. All the cool kids. We had people like serving wine that night. Somebody went into the coat room and stole medication out of a server's jacket. So in, instead of the server stealing something from a oh guest, a guest stole something from the server. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, what? Minnesota, ladies and gentlemen. Was it you, Jeff? Are you going to fess up? Uh, hard to imagine that Hazelden is up there, huh? <laughs> 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 it's supposed to be so successful. That's a very good point. But uh, I, 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 we do want to met, mention the fact that you got a big new job. How long you been? How long you been on uh, duty there now? Two weeks. I am here uh, as we speak. I am uh, head writing on uh, Russell Brand's talk show for the FX network called Brand X, and uh, we actually tape a test show tomorrow with the great Greg Proops as our guest. I don't know if you've ever had Greg on your show. He's hilarious. He's very funny. And uh, and then Friday we kick off with the Ryan Hurst from uh, Sons of Anarchy. Is our oh. guest. Oh. So we tape Friday, but it airs next Thursday. It airs in about 10 days or whatever the hell that is. So yeah. uh, stay tuned on uh, the FX network for Brand X this year. Uh, I've really been having a great time. He is a sweet guy and extremely talented, and his Goal this go round is to kind of dial it back a half a notch so he's not the crazy rock and roll comic who's always in your face, but sort of actually to do kind of a traditional talk show and kind of subvert it from the inside. So if you tuned in, you'd go, well, there's a wooden desk and a cityscape behind him. This will probably be pleasant. And then bang, then he kind of hits you with the with the right cross. So so that's the goal. Knock on wood, we'll achieve it. But I've been having a great time. Great writers room, and and he's been a blast. And I just tell I tell Jeff every time he, he goes to a new position, uh, he always picks guys that either hate me or I hate. So thanks a lot. Thanks right. a lot, Jeff. It's really it's nice. And so Jeff tells me last week, oh, I'll make sure I'll check with you before I take a job, okay? <laughs> okay, smartass. Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> How'd you hook up with Russell Brand? You know, uh, they were looking to do it, and his production company is uh, Dakota Films, which is Troy Miller, who's one of my oldest buddies in town. Uh, We hooked up in 84 when I first got to town. We've literally known each other almost 30 years in the business. Just a sweet guy, one of the most honest guys I know in the business. Very successful producer now. He he did um, uh, Bam Margera shows at MTV. He's done... um, 
what is the uh, Bored to Death on HBO? Oh yeah, he loved did, it. Um, yeah. um, the um, um, Flight of the Concords for HBO. Oh, oh, he did oh, make a show hilarious. with Dave. He's done all these hipster shows. Wow. So he's kind of top call now for the, for the hipster element out here. And he got it, and he just said, you know, the one thing we were missing in the first six shows was somebody in the writer's room who could, could kind of, uh, you know, could, you know, direct the thing and kind of control it and give it a pace. And so, you know, a lot of head writing, as I knew from Dennis Miller, uh, where, which I executive produced also, is a lot of those kinds of jobs are administrative. You really get in the room to kind of bang around the ball maybe 15% of the time, but it's really needed. You really need somebody to kind of structure the thing, like, you know, make sure that we're working on this Friday show while we're doing tomorrow's show, you know, that kind of crap. So uh, to just kind of get ahead of the game and have an organizational head on the material. And the more I get to know Russell, the easier that'll become, but uh, so far so good. So, but You say he's a real sweet guy and an easy guy to work work with, huh? Yeah, he really is. And, you know, he's like all of those guys. They want it a certain way. But once you figure out that what that way is, then you can make it super efficient for them. And the one thing I've been blessed in the sense that I worked with Dennis Miller, because the one thing that Dennis and, and Russell have in common, among several things, but one of the big things for this gig is that they are best – when they're when they're flying, when they're when they're coming off the cuff, when they know they got a safety net of great material, they can go to it any time they want. But in the meantime, now they can literally combust and take it from there to the next level off the top of their heads. And so, having worked in that environment a little bit that way, uh, I could bring some of those muscles to this gig, and it's it's really helping. You know, it's like he he likes to kind of come in on a Thursday afternoon or Thursday night and get it all ready and blast out Friday, and that's just the way Dennis was. And, and as a performer, I understand that. I remember one of the great lessons I learned on Dennis Miller Live was he would come in on a Monday, read the jokes we had written Monday, love them. By Thursday, he's burnt on those jokes. <laughs> <laughs> he's taking those Thursday jokes and saying, well, why don't we run with these, Jeff Front? And I'm like, well, because they're not as good a joke, but, you know... <laughs> Because now I got a staff that's burnt out by Thursday. They all just want to get home on Friday, you know. Yeah. So the jokes are good, but they're not as good as the Monday jokes. So I figured out a process by which he didn't see anything uh, until Thursday. Ooh, uh, we, we, we were we got some serendipity. He got uh, Dennis Miller got hot in the, in the mid nineties, and he was he had to go do a movie. They were shooting up in Toronto or someplace, and HBO was freaking out like, well, "What are we going to do? He's not going to be in office until Thursday night." And I'm thinking, yes! <laughs> and so Dennis would walk in, and, I, and then, to their credit, my staff at that time, which was some great writers, Eddie Driscoll and Greg Greenberg and Eddie Feldman, and some unbelievably talented writer, comedians, uh, David Feldman, we would get together, and this is unheard of, especially for a lot of stand-ups, sit down on Wednesday, weed through everybody's jokes, this is 300, 350 jokes, and boil it down to 50, 60 jokes for Dennis to get through. So guys would vote on everybody's jokes, including their own. And for a stand-up to sit there with his own writing and go, yeah, I like that other joke better, that wow. it was a huge step for us and for those guys, a, a very unselfish thing to do for the show. But we got there, and he'd come in and read 40, 50 jokes and boil it down to 20, and boom, we'd go. So that kind of muscle is really coming in handy here. Oh, there's no question about that. It's 
You know, and, and, and to be honest, I bust your balls a little bit there, but everything <laughs> you've ever worked on has been hilarious. You have a, a show, and if it doesn't get put on TV sooner or later, I'm coming out there. <laughs> and I'm just telling you, this show is a brilliant idea. Um, you don't have it up on YouTube or anything like that, do you? Uh, we have it on FunnierDie.com. Oh, you do? Called, okay. It's called The Dick Rossi Show, and it's oh. it's an homage to uh, the early days of talk shows. It's like a 1961 low rung of the Rat Pack stand-up no. comic finally gets his own show, and he does everything Carson did, and he does it first, <laughs> and he does it worse. <laughs> He's just horrible. When the little man starts dancing on my head instead of doing something clever, I just grab him and throw him against the wall. <laughs> Kills him. Then I have to apologize for killing a monkey. <laughs> it's, you know, we have a magician on the show who does a, a water tank trick and croaks, <laughs> and we still don't want a rerun. That's my favorite line in the whole thing. By the end of that, Dick goes, we almost had to run a rerun. You know, he just has no <laughs> sensibility. He's politically incorrect the entire way. He's literally from 1961 with more of a B-movie Dean Martin as a sidekick who's really hanging out for the booze and the broads, and a fan <laughs> leader who's clearly on heroin, <laughs> with what's, what's just part of the title, uh, Spats Henderson and his big-breasted all-girl orchestra. Spats <laughs> Henderson. We just went for it, and we had a great time. But we have modern guests. Jimmy Kimmel was our guest, and we just get him out there, and Dick doesn't know he has a talk show, and five minutes in, he goes, what do you mean this guy's a talk show? I thought he had a sitcom for crap. Why am I having a guy with a talk show on my talk show? <laughs> so, it, And it disintegrates from there, and we get in with Jimmy Kimmel about how his eyes look Chinese, and he's got to be Chinese, and... And we just go off. A dick will say the wrong thing at the wrong time, even in intros. Hey, you think your mailman's funny? Check out this funny young Negro. <laughs> he doesn't know. He doesn't know. And that's the that's kind of the charm of it is is he's oh. an idiot. And we, we point that out. But at the same time, we're doing a real talk show. He does a monologue. He does stupid desk pieces. We have a guest. We do dopey things. So uh, knock on wood, Tom, what we've got going here is we're getting a little bit of money from a network. I don't even want to jinx it by mentioning it. Okay. To go shoot uh, some more segments. They would like to see more oh. celebrity segments. So what we're doing is through my management company, which has another show running, so we get to use their stage when they're down. We're building an identical set. We're going to get the wardrobe, and we'll just call in favors. I'll call everybody I know and say, hey, what are you doing the weekend of whatever the hell we pick, November 15th? And we're going to just blast out as many interviews as we can. And the good thing is we don't do a lot of prep. It's a very cheesy-looking show, and the more right. it goes off the rails with the guests, the better it is. <laughs> so, so, you know, we'll get guys for uh, – we did Jimmy Kimmel in 15 minutes. We literally did him like you would do a real talk show. Right. And we just cut it down to eight minutes for our purposes, but we, you know, you could blast out two segments with anybody. The, f the, the more off the cuff it is, it feels and it seems the better it is for us. So we'll do some prep. We'll always find one thing with a guest that goes haywire that I don't know. You know, like, if we get Seinfeld, I'll literally, like, I totally don't get that Jerry's Jewish. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know we'll do something like that, and I think just because, I don't get it. I thought you changed your name to get popular in showbiz. Because I almost did that, but then I got to go to Italian. So whatever it is, we'll find something we can twist and mash that Dick gets wrong, and you can usually ride that for five to ten minutes, and then it goes <laughs> it goes to hell from there. So uh, we'll call up a bunch, and even if like uh, you know, if even if I can only get Michael Keaton for two minutes, 
you know, to beg him to come down to the thing. You know, even if I can only get that, I'll say, hey, why don't you do an old style uh, Bob Hope kind of walkthrough? You oh, know, where you I'm in the middle of some bullshit interview, and then you know, Michael <laughs> King just walks out. We play a theme song. He could just walk right through if he wants. I don't <laughs> hey, look. Or, or he could literally stop. One of the things I've always wanted to do is have a walkthrough like that. After five seconds, the applause dies down. He looks right at me. He goes, "Hey, I understand you're fucking my wife." <laughs> And, you know, I look at him and go, hey, to be honest, I did not know she was your wife at the time. <laughs> he just nails me in the eye, drops me, walks out to the theme music, and I stand up and, and finish the show with a black eye. I would love to do crap like that. So we will be able to use any celebrities we get in any time allotment they can allow us. And so we'll blast out hopefully three, four more celebrity interviews and some cameos like that, and then hand them to this guy. He'll run them back to back, and he'll go up to his his higher-ups and go, hey, by the way, look at this beautiful thing, and we'll see what happens. Oh, I'm telling you what, it is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. But yeah, if you really want to see is. some clips, go to funnierguy.com and, and have some fun. Just search Dick Rossi, and three or four clips will pop up. Dick Rossi, which is a perfect name. And he, you did mention, uh, people are smoking like chimneys and drinking oh, yeah. like fish the whole show. <laughs> yeah, got it. we have a drink cart girl. <laughs> <laughs> we literally do. And her name is uh, Ursula on the show, and her real name is Arena. She's a gorgeous Russian woman. And uh, she was in Playboy. We didn't know it at the time. We go in uh, to, uh, and we're on a shoestring budget. We we shot all this stuff uh, ages ago, actually uh, a pilot, uh, and and we put it all, we were on a shoestring budget. So we send out a PA to go get uh, some sort of outfit for Arena that's a tight Playboy bunny-ish outfit, but we can't afford any copyright things, so it's just got to look like a bustier, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> right. So they come back from the costume shop with a uh, costume for her, and uh, we look on the cover, you know, to, you know, $20 costume. We look on the cover of the costume, it's Arena modeling it on the cover of the costume. <laughs> so we go, well, you can't go wrong with that. We really got the right costume. It fits. We know that. <laughs> exactly. I. Uh, how many years ago did you do the do the first Dick Rossi? Uh, oh, gee, it's probably close to three years ago now, and we've ju- I've just been pushing this rock up a hill, uh, you know, for three years because, uh, you know, when and, and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. Uh, I know when something's funny, and I want know when something's really funny. And the second people started to see this, the second guys like you said, now this shit is really funny, that's when I went, all right, I, I know when I'm connecting on something. You know, I've always been a great writer, and, and I've, uh, you know, I consider myself a really good writer and a really good performer. But I know that, you know, as a stand-up, I don't have the giant hook that has hooked everybody in. And I've stepped aside from stand-up at various points in my career to work behind the camera. So it's not like I could be, uh, you know, a Jake Johansson type that's just going to pound it out until people recognize more of Jim Gaffigan or something like that. Right, I don't, right. You know, I didn't, I didn't dedicate 100% of my career to that. So, so I knew that going in. And then you hear something like this and you go, okay, I put a ton of work into this Dick Rossi guy. People are responding, I don't give a shit if the business hasn't quite caught on yet. I know I got something here. When oh, yeah. I got 20-year-old 
sons and daughters of guys I went to high school with saying, this is some funny shit. Then I realized, oh, this crosses all demographics because everybody speaks talk show in their subconscious. Everybody right. knows what yes. that is. It could be from 1940. It could be from 2040. It's a fucking monologue and, it's <laughs> and a guest and a dopey right. thing and something crazy happens at the end of the show. So, And then people love the just to, you know, I think here's what people connect to without analyzing, overanalyzing it. But I think everybody loves the political incorrectness of that sort of Rat Pack shit. Yeah. But they also love the fact that those guys, you know, Sinatra and Sammy Davis and Dean Martin, those guys just kept it in fifth gear in the Cadillac the entire fucking run. They never right. stopped. They never put it in reverse or stopped down to neutral and said, let's <laughs> analyze our feelings. <laughs> literally looked at somebody and went, I'm sorry I fucked you, or, in, or I'm sorry I insulted you. Now, let's go get a steak. Boom! They just kept going. <laughs> The state fair may be over, but the Renaissance Festival fantasy is just beginning, as is this fantasy of these clips to be the best of the Tom Bernard podcast, brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Great clips this week from Bill Bellamy, Hal Sparks, and Jeff Cesario. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week.